Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hey, Crime Creeps, it's your pal, Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, Case Watch Podcast. Twitter, Case Watch Pod. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's not Mark B. You want to follow Charity, it's Charity underscore Case Watch. I got her to get social media. Charity, welcome to the 21st century. Thank you so much, Mark. She does not have any other social media than this one. It's kind of funny. And I finally got her to get an Instagram to be able to talk to you guys. All right, make sure you check out our website, www.casewatchpodcast.com. There is links to all of our merch. Mark, oh my God, sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. You Go ahead, Charity. I am so excited. I ordered myself some merch. I did too. I already, I'm like a drug dealer ordering its own supply. Like I've ordered four shirts already just for myself. I got myself a douche tree. I got myself the logo and I got a hate crime creeps. Oh, I got, oh see, I, I want to get the hate crime creeps one. I, I got the, um, of course, the douche apple tree, my favorite. And I, I got a that. mug and I got the original case watch. I ordered the mug for the set too behind us. Yeah. So like of I course. said, go check out the website, casewatchpodcast.com. You guys can get your own merch and stickers as well. You just got to go to that site, click the tab for merch or stickers that are separate. Also, as of now, you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab. We're not going to be doing Patreon. We're going to be doing the Crime Creep Club. So if you guys wanted to have exclusive content, it will all be over there. Hope to see you there soon. Charity, it has been a very, very busy week for everybody in the crime industry. A lot of huge cases. We're going to discuss two big ones today. But first, will you please 
Give me some triple D. Of course. All right, guys, you ready? Dimwits, dipshits, and douchebags right now. All right, Mark, this is our first person to be speaking about. Her name is actually Chastity. Very different from Charity. So poor Chastity, Eugenia Hobson, was so worried about her possibly tainted meth that she actually contacted the police about it. Officers at the Granite Shoals Police Department in Texas were trying to catch the county's dumbest drug users when they posted a fake Facebook story about Ebola-tainted meth. If you have recently purchased meth or heroin in Central Texas, please take it to the local police or sheriff's department so it can be screened with a special device. Do not use it until it has properly been checked for possible Ebola contamination. Hobson, 29, saw the post and was understanding afraid that her meth could be, wait for it, dangerous. She responded to the department's post on Facebook and they gladly took her sample in for testing. Hobson was charged with possession of less than one gram of a controlled substance. What a dipshit. Oh my God. I love it. So she was worried that she had meth that could be unhealthy for her. She wasn't worried about the fact that the meth is unhealthy itself. She was more worried it was tainted. She did not want Ebola. Ebola? Ebola? What? Ebola. Ebola. I'm so happy she's off the street. Me too. Charity, do you have any more? Yes, I do. Excellent. Next up, we have Tony Van. He's a 37-year-old hairstylist who was charged in 2008 for possessing a cherry red Porsche Carrera worth $125,000, which belonged to a San Anselmo resident. A parallel drama unfolded when he arrived for the hearing in a stolen SUV. To add to the drama, a bunch of stolen puppies escaped from the SUV to escape from the sun. It was found that these Yorkshire Terrier Maltese (laughs) hybrids did not belong to him either. He was charged with criminal cruelty and the puppies were taken to the Humane Society shelter. The SUV also had a laptop computer. Van got new charges added to the already stolen Porsche charges. He was charged for possessing a stolen car, a computer, and animal cruelty. His bail was raised to $250,000 from $10,000. What an asshat. Uber. You can't take an Uber to your hearing? I have a couple things on this. Oh, a, my when God. you were reading this story, it made me laugh because it made me think of Bridesmaids with the Melissa McCarthy character that oh, stole all the dogs. God. She's like, I took 20 of them. Oh, yeah. my God. You guys I love I, that. I love that movie and I love her. She is so hysterical and it's so natural for her. I love it. Do yourself a flavor and go check out. I love when he says flavor. <laughs> I love that, too. That's why I always say it. <laughs> go onto YouTube and just punch in. This is 40 outtakes. And then she does that scene in the principal's office where everybody else has given up on being serious. And then she is just still straight face looking at the camera and just trying to make everybody laugh. And they were obviously were not using any of this, but it is the best thing that you'll ever watch. I love that. Speaking of checking that out on YouTube, Case Watch podcast is now on YouTube as well. We are. If you want to check out what... Uh, these mugs look like go ahead and just search case watch podcast on youtube because we do have a video on there of our halloween live show if you want to check it out and if you subscribe you'll be blessed with some more videos very soon because we're going to start doing a lot more video content as well yes we are it's very exciting all right charity what else you got so mark here's our next fella polish author i think it's christian Bala or Bala might have gotten away with murder if he hadn't written about it in his book his 2003 novel amok A-M-O-K, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right, but became a bestseller. Let's discuss that. Do you think it's amok, amok, amok? It's A-M-O-K. M-I-O-K? I I don't know, guys. Go ahead and tell us what this book is. just going to say that. 
For now, we'll just say amok. Let's just say that we know that I'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly. So yes. But I don't have a guess either. So yeah. So um, it became a bestseller in Poland, but he paid the price when police noticed that the details of the murder in the book eerily matched those of an unsolved case. The similarities led the police to investigate further, discovering connections between Bala and the victim, including the fact that the victim was romantically involved with Bala's ex-wife. What an idiot. Yes, I agree. But that's a question for you right there. That goes down to like uh, uh, like Charlie Daniels. Like, yeah. would, you, would you sell your soul to the devil? Mm. This guy became a world-renowned best-selling author, and you can't take that away from him. That's true. That, I mean, that's true. When he was, he's a total douchebag. And it was about his own life. It was like a, you know. Play-by-play. Play. A play-by-play play of what took place. Probably helped solve the crime even more because they probably just went to wherever they said stuff was hidden. Yeah. It takes all well, kinds of people. We say that every single hopefully week. Hopefully he changed the names of places and the people. It would have been even better if he didn't. That's true. Good point. He just During the court case, just read out of his book. Yeah. Hello, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. All right, guys, let's jump right into today's episode. Today, we are going to talk about the Alec Baldwin shooting incident on the set of Rust. Ugh. It's a horrible, horrible case, and it's a very unfortunate incident. And hopefully they can put some sort of safeguards in place to prevent this from ever happening again. So for those of you who don't know, let's go ahead and get right into what happened. October 21st, 2021 was the 12th day of the 21-day shoot. The cast and crew were rehearsing a gunfight scene that takes place inside of a church at the Bonanza Creek Ranch. Firearms and ammunition were retrieved from a locked safe, and Gutierrez Reed placed three guns used as props on a cart. Among them were a plastic gun that could not shoot live ammunition, a modified weapon that could not fire any type of ammunition, and a 45 Colt revolver. Yep. I don't understand why there would ever be a need to have an actual real gun on a set. Let's just say that right there. I don't understand. I that. don't either. And um, I believe what was said about um, her putting them out on the cart like that was it's actually COVID regulations right now. That's why she had to put them outside. That was specifically done because of COVID, because I guess they didn't want too many people in the actual room where they were filming. Gotcha. From what I read. The last was the one that Baldwin fired. There were conflicting accounts on how he came into possession of that firearm in the first place. According to a search warrant, the guns were briefly checked by armorer Gutierrez Reed before the assistant director, David Halls, allegedly took the revolver from the prop cart and handed it to Baldwin. The warrant also states that Halls announced cold gun, meaning that it was empty. Hall's lawyer, Lisa Taraco, in an interview stated that Halls did not grab the gun off the table and hand it to Baldwin as reported. All right. And what follows next is a very unfortunate event. So trigger warning if this kind of stuff bothers you. But we are actually going to discuss the shooting incident itself. So fair warning if you want to just skip ahead a minute or so. B camera operator Reed Russell was situated on a camera dolly looking at the monitor with Hutchins and Souza both nearby. The scene involved Baldwin's character removing a gun from its holster and pointing it to the camera. The trio behind the monitor were two feet from the muzzle of the firearm, and none of them were wearing any protective gear like noise-canceling headphones or safety goggles. While the trio behind the monitor were repositioning the camera to remove a shadow, Baldwin began explaining to the crew how he planned to draw the firearm. He said, quote, So, I guess I'm going to take this out, pull it, and go bang. When he removed it from the holster, Baldwin fired the gun a single time and the projectile flew towards the three behind the monitor, striking Hutchins in the chest and Sousa in the shoulder. 
Script supervisor Mammy Mitchell called 911 at 1.46 p.m. and emergency crews arrived three minutes later. Hutchins was flown by helicopter to the University of New Mexico Hospital in Albuquerque, where she was pronounced dead. Sousa was treated by EMS personnel and transported by ambulance to the Regional Medical Center in Santa Fe, where he was admitted and released the following morning. As a result of this incident, production on Rust was suspended indefinitely. All right, so that is the rundown of the actual incident. Charity, do you have handy the David Hall's initial statement to police? I actually do. So according to the affidavit, Detective Joel Cano of the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department said that Dave Halls, the assistant director on the set, had gone outside and taken the gun off a cart and handed it to Alec. Halls announced that it was a cold gun, as you had said earlier, Mark, but later admitted to not checking the gun barrel. He took the gun from Hannah Gutierrez Reed, who was the armorer on set. And due to the COVID protocol, she had set up three prop guns on a cart outside. Interesting. Let's first off, let's discuss. I want to get into a little bit of a debate here because they're throwing around dummy gun, prop gun, and all this stuff. I, I mean, to me, I was under the impression, and clearly I must be wrong, I was under the impression that all the guns were real guns, but they were prop guns because they didn't have real bullets in them. So they were considered prop guns because they were a gun that isn't supposed to fire like a real gun. That's what I thought because uh, I had also read, and I don't know if this is true, that weeks before the the guns were actually at the shooting range, making sure they fired properly. Well, there's been many reports that crew members were out plinking with guns as well. And that's how live ammunition had come onto the set at the beginning. Let's talk about that too. All right. So let's clarify prop gun. Yeah, let's please. Because I honestly feel like a lot of what's going on in a lot of these statements, they're trying to baffle us with bullshit so we don't actually find the actual facts. And we're on to you. Like, come on. You're trying to throw terms out there and trying to go over people's heads. A prop gun is not able to fire. An actual prop gun that they're going to use on set is unable to fire bullets. It takes cartridges that are a different size than a normal bullet, so they can't even fit a normal one in. Then why wouldn't they just use those? From what I'm reading, a lot of productions since this has happened have switched to guns that are are not able to fire at all. Well, and here's here's my other question, Mark. That is huge, first of all. There's no need for a real gun. And what about special effects? They can do so many things with special effects. They could even put the gun noise in to the movie itself. I agree with you. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe it's more work. But I mean, if, if we can avoid anything like this ever happening to anybody, it's worth it to me. Yeah, the whole thing is sickening to me at this point, because it, honestly, when we start going through some of these statements, it's basically everybody pointing at every direction. Of but course, because everyone's afraid. They were interviewing Alec Baldwin. I guess there was a ton of like news crews following them in their car and yes. kids were crying because they were scared. Understandably so. That would be scary for kids. But he got out and you could see his wife was trying to be like, stop talking. Stop answering their questions. We just wanted to get out to tell them to stop following us. But he just kept talking. This is kind of what he does. He keeps talking and talking and talking, you know, and he didn't say anything, you know, incriminating by any any stretch of the word. But it was just interesting, you know, that he was willing to just sit there and let them ask him these questions. Yeah, I do find that interesting as well. I don't honestly think Alec Baldwin would have ever done anything like this on purpose, which a lot of people are speculating out there, which is sickening. But again, but again, that does not help this case. Just like any other case, this does not help this case. He, I in no way think that he had anything to do with this. People have all these conspiracy theories and I get it. Everybody, again, they want answers. They want to make it more dramatic than it is. I think it was clearly a horrible oversight and there's probably more than one person that's held responsible for it. One of the things that's sickening to me that I'm reading now is that's, this is actually considered a workplace incident. So OSHA is kind of going to be the 
investigating body from this point forward okay. where these are OSHA issues because they are workplaces. I did do some research on the quote unquote dummy rounds that were to be used on this production. Okay. Now the dummy rounds can be done differently with different productions. The ones that were supposed to be used on this production were going to be called side drilled rounds, which meant that they had a hole drilled sideways through the casing. Very easy to specify Okay. what is a spent round and what isn't. And then the primer would be a spent primer, which would been already buckled in so you can already tell it's been fired. And if you shook them, they do make a noise. Okay. So you could very, very clearly tell if this was a live round, which let's be clear from the start, belonged nowheres. Near. Nowheres. Let's say it again. Nowheres near this this scene at all. Nope. Why would there ever be live ammunition near a scene or a set or a movie prop gun area? This should have been nowhere near there. Nope. So this would have been very clear to specify if this round was a real round or not. My first right there, that should have been caught by Hannah Gutierrez Reed. All right. Can I, from can, the I can I interject here? Absolutely. So guys, so guys, what is an armorer's duty or duties? I should say. So you the, said duties. Uh, guys, it's like, it's like talking. Well, it's like two 12 year old boys talking to each other. That's what this podcast is. Half of what we do that you guys don't even see is like it's we ridiculous. intentionally say things to each other, try to make each other laugh. It's, it's like we're anti-podcasters. No, it's ridiculous. It's like two 12-year-old boys or like Beavis and Butthead, maybe. We're kind of like Beavis and Butthead. Anyway, sorry. Ah, uh, like Beavis. <laughs> Rock on. He's ridiculous. So, we should uh, release our outtakes at some point. We put a couple in the guys, episode a couple times ago. There are some hilarious some classics. Stuff that is so funny. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So anyways. Charity, will you tell us what the armorer's duties are, please? <laughs> yes, I'll tell you what their duties are. The armorer is responsible for all firearms in blank ammo on set, and weapons should always be under a tight chain of custody of that person, said a longtime armorer. Also, Mike Tristano has supervised firearms on sets for more than 30 years. This is what he had to say. When it comes to guns and ammo on sets, the buck always stops with the armorer. The licensed professional, sometimes credited as the weapons master, tasked with making sure movie firearms are safe and secure on set. This is why he said he was baffled when he learned that the 24-year-old Hannah Gutierrez said she had no idea how live ammo got on the set. Tristano goes on to say, I think it's a ridiculous statement. How could you not know what's on your set in terms of anything that's related to the weapons you are supposed to be handling? He then said, it's like a chef doing the catering and being like, I don't know where this food came from. So this is interesting, Mark, because that is kind of what I thought to myself when I first heard about this, because I did start to look into what an armorer was. This is their one and only job. 
They are trained to be able to clean the guns operate the guns, check all ammo and guns. They have an eye for detail of what the bullet is supposed to look like, the the blank is supposed to look like. If she had looked inside of this gun, she would have known that was live ammo. So that leads me to believe that she didn't even check it. Now, she's the one who loaded this gun. That's the part that if you are so inept that you cannot even tell the difference between what is a live round and what is a quote unquote dummy round. Remember, there were supposed to be cross drilled rounds with a hole through them. You can't tell the difference. Nope. You have no business being an armor. I don't care if your father is the most renowned armor in the business. Yep. If you can't tell that difference, that is your job. That is her one and only duty. I'm sorry, but COVID protocols or not, if I have a scene involving a firearm, my armorer will be on set. Absolutely. I don't know why that person was decided they were not essential. They have firearms on that set. She should be there. I agree, Mark. All right. We've said quite a bit about Hannah Gutierrez Reed. Her lawyer has actually issued a full statement. So I'll go ahead and read that to you right now. They did issue an initial statement that has, has it actually been retracted or is this one just replacing it? This is the one that I found that is the most recent. Okay. Cause the original one was pretty incriminating. Yeah. This one's finger pointing, but not much better. Okay. Well, I would really enjoy hearing this please. First, Hannah would like to extend her deepest and most sincere condolences to the family and friends of Helena. She was an inspirational woman in film who Hannah looked up to. She also offers her thoughts and prayers for a speedy recovery to Joel. Hannah is devastated and completely beside herself over the events that have transpired. Safety is Hannah's number one priority on set. Ultimately, this set would have never been compromised if live ammo were not introduced. Hannah has no idea where the live rounds came from. Well, I'm sorry, dipshit. You're the one who loaded them in the gun. You should have been able to tell the difference between live and dummy rounds. But let me continue and let me hold my before you before you continue. Can I enter? Definitely a douchebagette. Yes. Yeah. All right. Continue on. I have a new word. You do? It was sent to me and we we sent uh, not to like bring light in here, but I think we need a little bit just to palate cleanse. Yes. Douche hag. I know. I saw that and I was like, that is inspirational. That was so quick and easy, and it was right in front of us the whole time. It's like, it's the girl form of douchebag. Thank you very much. And it was from one of our friends on Facebook. It was from one of our awesome creeps, guys. All right. So continuing on, Hannah and the prop master gained control over the guns and never witnessed anyone shoot live rounds with these guns, nor would she permit that. All right. Let me stop there for a second and just say nobody should be shooting any guns anywhere near this because that would mean live rounds would be introduced to what should be a clean area. This should be like an operating room. And this statement really says nothing because oh, it gets worse. Oh, God. OK, continue on. The guns were locked up every night and at lunch, there was no way a single one of these were unaccounted for or being shot by any crew members. Hannah Gutierrez Reed seemingly confirmed reports that there were two accidental prior discharges prior to the one that happened to Baldwin. Excellent. Nobody wanted to look into that. From what I have read, somebody shot themselves in a foot. Excellent. Awesome. The day before and then a couple days before another accidental discharge of a live round. Great. Somebody actually called the production company and said, this is an accident waiting to happen. Oh, I have more on that like later on about crew members and stuff too. I'm sure you do as well, but continue on, continue on. Hannah still to this day has never had an accidental discharge. The first one on the set was a prop master and the second was a stunt man after Hannah informed him the gun was hot with blanks. Hannah was hired on two positions on this film. I'm sorry, but if you're the armorer, that should be your only duty, but we'll talk more about that in a second. Yep. She said it made it extremely difficult to focus as her job as the armorer. She was fought for additional training days. 
She fought for days to maintain the weapons and for proper time to repair for gunfire, but ultimately was overruled by the production and her department. Well, she's the armorer that, I mean, she overruled herself. It's her department. That's her department. Yeah. The whole production set became unsafe due to various factors, including lack of safety meetings. And this was not the fault of Hannah. Your job is the armorer dipshit. So if it's unsafe, you should say no guns are coming on this set until it's safe. That is your job. Yep. Let's not forget, we have a lot of finger pointing here, and I'm going to get a little angry here. We have Hannah saying a statement. We have Hannah's lawyer giving another statement. We have David's statement. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget, this case is not about Alec. It's not about Hannah. It's not about David Halls. It's about Helena Hutchins. Sure is. Helena Hutchins was 42 years old. She was hired to be the director of photography on the set. Her husband, Matthew... And her son, Andros, now do not have her in their life because you want to point fingers and say it wasn't my fault. Yep. Let's not forget that at the end of the day, you're worried about getting yourself in trouble. They don't have their loved one anymore. I agree 100%. I don't mean to get angry. No, I'm angry too. But this makes me mad. Uh, That poor little boy and that poor husband. David Hall's lawyer says a statement that we'll read after that makes me want to hate this guy. Absolutely hate him. As bad as we hate Bertolino? I hate this statement more. Oh. This is the line that if anybody ever worked for me and said this to me, you'd be fired Wow, on the spot. We'll get to that after. So, all right, continuing on charity, I'm going to give you, I just read that statement. What do you have to add to that? So I have a couple things on the whole, like I had a second position. Here's my question. The second position was the props assist or assistant to props or whatever. Was she trained for this position? Were they just short a person? Were they like, Hey, you want to want to make some extra money? This is something she could have said no to. Absolutely. But I'm actually feeling like she wasn't even trained to be an armorer correctly. So definitely not. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Somebody was unfortunately killed on a set you were responsible for with a gun that was your sole responsibility. Sole responsibility. And basically to me, all that statement says is that she's basically saying, I put them on the tray and like not alluding to that somebody did something, but like she put them on the tray. They do. They do. They allude to that. How is that possible? Somebody else on the set would have seen somebody else besides her pick up the gun and insert or whatever. Would you like me to introduce you to Jason Bowles? Yes. Jason Bowles is Hannah's lawyer. Yeah. He went on to say on live TV, by the way, this is on TV. He went on to say Hannah was incredibly safety conscious and took her job very seriously from the moment she started on October 4th. She did firearms training for the actors as well as Mr. Baldwin. She fought for more training days. She regularly emphasized never to point a firearm at a person. Never in a million years did Hannah think that live rounds could have been in the dummy round box. Who puts those in there anyways? And why is that the central question? Oh, my God. So you didn't even look at the. She's just basically saying that she just reached in the box because it said dummy rounds. It didn't even inspect the bullet at all. That's what I'm reading out of that. That is so incompetent. Oh, Mm. and wait, Charity, there's more. Oh, there is. Hannah kept the guns locked up, including throughout lunch on the day in question. And she instructed her department to watch that cart containing the guns when she was pulled away from her duties on lunch break for her other position. Hannah did everything in her power to ensure a safe set. Hannah inspected the rounds that she loaded into the firearms that day. I'm calling bullshit because the rounds were supposed to be cross-drilled. Yep. So if you, yep. like I said, you are trying to baffle us with bullshit. You're going to throw all kinds of lawyers speak out there yep. and not, you, you need to look at the facts. Those dummy rounds were supposed to have been cross-drilled with a spent primer. But okay, here's my other thing. Uh, Yes, they were. But to your point of that, even if they weren't cross-drilled, from what I read on dummy rounds, you can tell by the weight of them and shaking them. So clearly she did not do any of that. None of that was done. None of that, I think, even matters because 
if that round was not cross-drilled, it should have just immediately been removed from that set. That is an excellent point. So that's just adding more baffling to the bullshit. Like I said, that's a line that people like to do. They like to throw in all kinds of extra information to basically water down the actual facts of the case. Yep. These bullets were supposed to have been cross-drilled. They were not. She still loaded them. All right. Like I said, Hannah said that she did inspect all the rounds she loaded into the firearm that day. She says she always inspects all rounds. And she did it again right before handing the firearm to Mr. Halls by spinning the cylinder and showing him all of the rounds and then handing him the firearm. No one could have anticipated or thought that someone would introduce live rounds into the set. I agree. I have a question. I'm sorry. I do not want to talk over you. I am very sorry. My question is, what is her definition of inspecting the rounds? Obviously, it doesn't involve looking for a hole drilled or a primer that's been spent. I think it doesn't even involve looking at the bullet at all. This is where I get mad. Yeah. Jason Bowles, Hannah's lawyer, says, we're assuming somebody put live rounds into the box, which if you think about that, that person who put the live round in a box of dummy rounds had the purpose of sabotaging the set. All right. Listen, guys, listen up. Okay. Even if somebody did that, even if some asshat came on the set and thought they were going to be funny and put live ammo in there, it is her job to look at that ammo before she places it inside of the gun. And it is her job to know if that ammo is a real bullet or not. She clearly did not do her job. She was incompetent and did not do her job because if she had done her job, that would not be a person who was not with us anymore. I agree. I am not an armorer. I do have firearms. I do operate guns. Yep. I do know about ammunition. I'm not an armorer. Nope. I'm not a professional, but I can tell if a round is real or not. Yeah. Ugh, Jason Bowles, you just keep making yourself look worse than Bertolino. Ugh. He says, I believe that somebody who would do that would want to sabotage a set, want to prove a point, want to say that they're disgruntled, they're unhappy, and we want the people who walked off the set that day. So here's my question. If that's his point, these people know where that gun was going to be used. And Helena was a well-liked person on this set. It's not like she was, you know, come on. None of this even makes sense. It makes zero sense is what it makes. He was asked this question right here. This is where, Oh, Oh, I get the, I get the douche bumps. Oh, the douche bumps again. They are. You haven't had those in a few episodes. I'm sorry. I know. I know they're back. When asked if a crew member could have tampered, he said, I think, you know, you can't rule anything out at this point. We know there was a live round in a box of dummy rounds that shouldn't have been there. We had people who had left the set, you know, and they walked out because they were disgruntled. We have a time frame of roughly between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. approximately that day, which the firearms were unattended. So there was an opportunity to tamper with this scene. But they already said that they weren't unattended because somebody was watching them at all times. Or they were locked up in... Again, again, even if there were even, yes, it was proven they were live rounds in that dummy box. Okay. It is her job. Once again, your only job is to make sure that the safety of the gun and the safety of anybody handling the gun is done correctly. They're making it seem like there was maybe just like one round mixed in. So it's the blame game. Santa Fe County Sheriff Adam Mendoza said there was some complacency in how weapons were handled on the set. Get this. Investigators found 500 rounds of ammunition. They were a mixture of blanks, dummy rounds, and live rounds. Even though the set's firearm specialist, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, said there was never any real ammo present. There was a mixture of 500 rounds. So she clearly, again, I keep saying the same thing over and over. She did not check the rounds. She did not do it. She did not do her job. Yeah, we we got complacent. And even if somebody, like I said, say some asshat came in and did that and was that evil that they wanted to put live rounds in. It is her job to make sure that those live rounds do not go in the gun. And she did not do that properly. 
All right. And all right, let's play devil's advocate. Let's play both sides of the fence. All right. So say the gun was loaded and it was left unattended. That first duty that should have happened was she should have came back and rechecked that gun because it was left. You know what happens at an airport if you leave a bag unattended? Oh, security comes and takes it. It's gone. It's not your bag anymore. No. So if those guns were unattended, they should have been rechecked and made to be proven that they were safe. Here is where I get super, super mad. And it's David Hall's. David Halls is the assistant director. Mm-hmm. Yep. His lawyer gave this statement. Oh yeah, I read I read some of this. Let's 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 let the, This is where I get. Let's let the creeps here. Mad. The assistant director, David Halls, had told detectives shortly thereafter the fatal shooting that when the movie's armorer had shown him the firearm to inspect its rounds, he quote, should have checked them all but didn't. End quote. And that's according to the affidavit released by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office. It also stated that he indicated cold gun, which indicates that there are no live rounds when he handed it to Mr. Baldwin. Now is where I get mad. Yep. Take note, people. Younger crime creeps don't ever use this in your vernacular in life because everybody hates it. Yep. But Mr. Hall's lawyer, Lisa Taraco, contended in an interview that, you know, the responsibility for checking the uh, gun, you know, was not his job. So he didn't do it because it's not in his job description. Excuse me? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not in my job description, Charity. What? I would instantly fire anybody who said that to me. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. That is disgusting. That is well, horrendous. According to Joel Souza, who was also injured, he was the one who was shot in the shoulder. Yes, yep. Um, he later told detectives that that was his job because that is what they had done as standard operating procedures on that set as laid out to them. That Correct. it would be checked by one and rechecked by the other. You know, but according to his lawyer, now it's not his job. No. 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 But according no. to Larry Zanoff, who is a veteran film armorer, he's he's done the Django Unchained. He's done Fantastic Four. He's a well-renowned armorer. And he said it. It's common practice for this film's assistant director to be the last one to hand the gun to the talent and to inspect and check it to make sure that it's empty. 
Oh my God. There's Everybody's so, got the blame game. There's so many things. Is there more to the statement or no? That is end quote. She just basically said, yeah, eh, look somewhere else. It's Hannah's fault. It's not, it's not my guys because he's not responsible. So I think we should talk a little bit about David Halls, the assistant director. I got some info on him. On, on I, him. I would love to hear. So the LA Times asked him to comment and he did not respond to their request. So Halls has been under fire before apparently. So he was fired in 2009 from the film Freedom's Path. This was um, after a prop gun unexpected discharged. Interesting, don't you think? Can we now make a push that we don't need real guns on movie sets? We do sets? not need real guns. Guys, I don't care. I don't care if it doesn't look, if it's zoomed in on it and, and it doesn't look 100%. I mean, I, why do we need, I, it's, it, there's no need for it. With everything that we have technology-wise today, we can make a gun that looks just like a real gun that's oh, not a real gun. And add a gun sound if you need to. I, I don't know. I mean, they do voiceovers, know. right? It's why can't they do? to me gunshot overs. Oh, they do. They don't actually use those other ones on. That's what I mean. It, it's sickening. So also in 2009, Halls was hired to replace first director Courtney Hope Therond on the film The Pale Door. It was said that Courtney was very vocal about the safety issues on set. Instead of listening to her, it seems as though they let her go and took on someone that didn't care as much about safety on set. Courtney is quoted as saying, that's when they brought in Dave because he has a reputation for being lax on safety. Apparently, when the first AD walks off a project, Dave is known as the guy you call. Very interesting. Aaron B. Koontz, he owned the production company for that film, and he was also the director of the film as well, denies that Courtney was let go because she was overly safe. Aaron says, Dave was frustrated at the amount of time it was taking in between light lightning delays. I do remember him growing frustrated, saying, hey, the lightning is so far away. We are good guys. Can we go? We need to go, Aaron says. I didn't think much of it at the time just because Dave's a fiery guy. So clearly, Mark... There's been numerous accounts of him maybe not being or maybe safety not being his number one thing. Yeah, Google is about. not people's best friend these days, no. because if it's out there, it's going to be found and you can just search his name and there's tons of info that comes up and on also, him not being safe. this very set where this happened, there was an incident where a bunch of crew members actually walked off um, as well. Would you like me to read about that a little bit? Yes, please do. According to an affidavit, only mere hours before the shooting, six members of the camera crew walked off set due to working conditions. Some of these complaints were extremely long work days, exceeding over 13 hours in delayed paychecks. Also on October 16th, there was at least two accidental discharges as you spoke about earlier in this episode. Yeah, so you would think right there that there was already an armor issue in, you know, let's just push forward. Let's just go. We'll get this set over with. It's just, I don't know. Safety should be number one on these sets. Number one. And like I said, I understand COVID protocols. Right. I'm not saying anything bad about that. The armorer should be one of the people that is essential to a set that I agree. involves ammunition I agree. and firearms. She should have been standing right next to him, rechecked the gun, rechecked the bullets that were in it, made sure it was safe, and then handed it off. And yes, he should have checked it again and then handed it to Alec. All right. So let's not forget that I understand that everybody is pointing fingers and they're blaming everybody else because nobody wants to be responsible. At the end of the day, I do believe charges are going to be filed in this case. Oh, definitely. There is criminal liability in this case. And the sheriff actually said as much because somebody had said something like, oh, what a terrible mistake. And he's like, mistake? No, this is not a mistake. This nope. is an active criminal investigation. Yep. He made that very and clear. And there's more than one factor, obviously, that has brought us to this conclusion. I do not want to end this on basically everybody pointing fingers because the point of this episode is quite simple. Helena Hutchins, 42 years old, passed away with everything that had happened here. Her husband, Matthew Hutchins, is now a widow. Yep. 
Her son, Andros Hutchins, who is nine years old, will never get to see his mother at his wedding. He he will never have her here for the rest of his life. And this is unfortunate. When you want to blame everybody, let's remember at the end of the day, these people are affected. Joel Souza was shot. Yes, he was. He was lucky. He was, he was so shot. lucky to walk away. He, he wants the answers too. He's mad. He's angry as hell. Absolutely. Charity, can you just give us a little bit about Helena and who she was? Yeah. So according to her own website, she was originally from the Ukraine. She grew up on the Soviet Union base in Arctic Circle. She has a graduate degree in international journalism and actually worked as a journalist with the British documentary productions in Europe. So she was she's got quite a repertoire. She also graduated from AFI Conservatory in 2015. She was a Los Angeles based union cinematographer. She has a huge record of success in many features. And in 2019, she was selected as one of American cinematographers rising stars. She was only 42 at the time of her death. Her husband, Matthew, released this statement. I have spoken with Alec Baldwin and he is being very supportive. Helena not only left behind Matthew, but also their nine-year-old son. Matthew then tweeted this. He says, Helena inspired us all with her passion and vision and her legacy is too meaningful to encapsulate in words. Our loss is enormous and we ask that the media please respond my family's privacy as we process our grief. We thank everyone for sharing images and stories of her life. Her sister Svetlana also offered some words in an interview with KYIV. She says, I cannot comprehend her passing. I loved her so very much. I was very proud of her and she was my role model. We were always close and remained in touch despite the distance. This loss is a great grief for our family and I see how hard it is for our parents. Hopefully time will ease our heartache. So sad. So I guess there was a um, candlelight vigil for her, which I think is really nice. There were many other kind words said. Uh, It was said over and over that she was an amazing person. She was a wonderful soul. It was also said that she was a wonderful mom and wife. It's just all so sad. It really is. And she was like a rising. I mean, she had a fire in her that people said was infectious. Yep. All right. So before we wrap up this episode, I just think it's fitting that we take a moment of silence for Helena. I agree. All right, guys, we are back. And to finish up this episode, I want to make sure everyone goes over to Facebook and Instagram and make sure you follow the podcast, Case Watch Podcast. We have a lot of stuff that we're doing over there. I promised on Facebook a giveaway of a Case Watch signed sticker. I was blown away with how many people actually entered. Me too. I was so excited. We have 37 entries. That is amazing. And I wrote everybody's name down and I'm going to pull one out of the bucket right now. Who's going to win? Do it. All right. Emily Hamill. Nice. Emily, you have won this week's sticker. We're going to start doing this every week. Emily's getting a sticker. Signed by me and Charity. I know. Who would have thought anybody would want that? I know. Who would have thought they want our signature? People actually do, though. Oh. Every week, we're going to do this from now on. So the way you enter is when our uh, podcast feed hits the Facebook, because it shares it to Facebook automatically now, You all you need to do is share that week's episode on your Facebook page, screenshot it, and send it to us at info at casewatchpodcast.com. You'll be entered for next week's sticker. Emily, send us an email, and I will go ahead and get your mailing address and send it out to you. Awesome. All right, guys, we are going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you very much for sticking with us. This is a hard case to follow. There's going to be a lot more updates on it. A we lot are going to, we're going to follow this case as well. And if you guys have any, like we always say, our crime creeps are on the case. If you guys have heard any other information, have any other news clips that we may have missed about this case, that would be amazing. Oh, 100%. And uh, you have asked, a ton of you have asked, I should say. Cleo Smith, you want a Cleo Smith case? Well, guess what? Thursday, 
you will be having the Cleo Smith episode that everybody has asked for and you'll get our opinions on it. And trust me, it is crazy. Who would have thought one guy had that many rat dolls? When I started reading that, I was like, oh, I mean, here's my thing. Well, I'm going to save it. Yeah, save it. I want to save it. Give the people something to wait for. I'm going to save some of my opinions. Opinion? Opinions. All right, Charity. Well, so you save your opinions till the next episode. I will. And try. thank you guys for hanging out with us for this one. We'll see you next one. Bye, guys. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.